Hello everyone, welcome back to Codify, your go-to podcast about all things computer science. I'm one of your co-hosts, Marla. And also one of your hosts, Avia. Okay, so today we're going to be delving into nanotechnology. And I think for a lot of us, and especially for myself, when I think about nanotechnology, I would just think about like small tech and nothing specific would come to mind. But as I was doing a bit more research and actually researching for the the 2023 wrapped episode a week ago, I came across nanotech and I found it to be very fascinating and something that is often overlooked within the scientific community because it is very small tech, but it's really had big impacts for our globe and it's impacted a lot of industries like medicine, it's impacted the consumerism, batteries, climate change, like almost everything that we can think of, it's been correlated in some way. So nanotechnology from like a definition perspective is just the manipulation of matter on a very, very small scale that is used to make new structures, materials and different devices. And so often when we think about nanotech, it's just a lot of the different systems we make that is on a scale anywhere from one to 100 nanometers. And that is like really, really small. And it's so small to the point that materials actually begin to like exhibit different characteristics that affect their physical, uh, their chemical and even biological behavior. And so the main focus of nanotech and the industry is really focusing on the research and development and using these properties to benefit technology on a smaller scale. So like for some more historical context, the first time that we've even thought about researching smaller things was in 1959 through Richard Feynman's like almost infamous 1959 lecture called There's Plenty of Room at the Bottom, where he basically talked about the possibility of maneuvering specific atoms and different molecules to create new devices. And this was the first proposal that we had of like, like there's no reason why molecules will not be able to be manipulated like Uh, as a human does it. So this was the first instance. And then later in 1974, Norio Taniguchi, uh, a Japanese researcher, actually coined the term nanotech and and even proposed a lot of theories on how he could create technology on the order of a billionth of a meter. So, and then just ever since then, nanotech has really boomed, especially throughout the 1980s, the 1990s, and even throughout the 2000s. And so we have, uh, in, in actually, between that time period, the scanning tunneling microscope and the atomic force microscope were developed, uh, I believe, in the 1980s. And what these imaging tools did is they allowed scientists to visualize and to maneuver all of the atoms and molecules within like the microscopes. And so this really helped us hands-on actually get like involved in nanotech because before the 1980s, all of the research that had been done was purely the- theoretical and they hadn't actually had the chance to act, like do the actual nanotech aside from the theory. And so ever since the 1980s, we've been seeing a lot more uh, nanotechnology being incorporated into like quantum dots and nanotubes and other, uh, other similar mechanical properties. 
And even uh, in the early 2000s, the U.S. launched the National Nanotechnology Initiative in order to coordinate more federal research and development with the nanotech. So I think all of this progress from 1959 all the way to 2024 shows that there's a, there's a lot going on with this field that we may not realize. And uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so now do you want to go more a bit into how nanotech is impacting computing? Yeah, definitely. So because nanotechnology, like you said, allows for more manipulation at a smaller scale of materials, it means that there can be increased processing powers because nanoscale technology allows for transistors and other components or materials that are smaller, which allow more of them to be packed onto a single chip. So that means that there's a higher processing power, which enables computers to perform more complex tasks at faster speeds, just because so many components can be packed onto one thing because they're all smaller. And not only that, because nanoscale technologies do mean that components can be smaller, it means that power consumption goes down, which improves energy efficiency. Because basically energy consumption is always a significant concern, and since all of these materials are so much smaller and they can be used much for a higher processing power. It helps a lot for improving energy efficiency. Nanotechnology mm -hmm. has also memory storage. So because um, nanoscale means that it's very small, it's made for new high density memory devices that could replace traditional storage technologies like hard drives. And it basically just means that there's more options for memory storage that in the future with more research could be proven to be even better than what we have today in hard drives and other drives. There's also quantum computing, which I'm sure is probably the main focus, which many have focused on with nanotechnology, because while quantum computers don't exclusively use nanotechnology, it heavily involves it highly involves the quantum level because that's where it manipulates particles. And quantum computing has clearly become huge in these past few years because it just has the potential to revolutionize computation. And it's, it's proven to hopefully be more efficient than classical computers. And in the future with more research, hopefully quantum computing will be more mainstream because there's a lot of errors to work through with quantum computing. But so far, quantum computing is meant to perform calculations much more efficiently than classical computers. Mm -hmm. It also allows for faster co communication with nanophotonics, which is just basically by enabling a fast data transfer using specific signals. So that could lead to significant improvements in data communication both within and between computer systems. So that just means communication will become a lot better. And then there's also things like enhanced electronics, like sensors and detectors, because it could create, um, since they're creating new materials and devices, those have a lot more benefits. Like for example, highly sensitive. So sensors and detectors will become a lot more accurate and that can help in a lot of areas such as medical diagnostics, environmental monitoring, and even security applications. So it's just helping a lot with making more smaller, more powerful, and more energy efficient devices, as well as opening up new possibilities in a lot of fields, like computing, communications, and electronics that are better and can work better 
than they did before. Mm -hmm. I really like that point you brought up with uh, the quantum computing and like making more dense technology because if we look at any sort of like motherboard or any component of a computer there's really tiny tiny nodes on all of those uh, little like devices and so i can definitely see the connection between how we can use nanotechnology to really create dense like contraptions that can like power these machines on, on like on a really large scale so now I want to go a bit more into how nanotech is impacting medicine. So I was looking at a few studies, uh, a few studies today, and there's this one study uh, titled "Nanoparticle Mediated Drug Delivery to Tumors." It was published in 2000, and by like a few, I believe, like Japanese re researchers as well. And the main studies, uh, the main point of the study was was like targeting drug delivery within cancer therapy. And there's also a few other studies like nanoparticle delivery of siRNA for cancer therapy and for ocular disease. And so the main application that we're seeing with, with nanotechnology today is really within the cancer space and diagnosing diseases and treating them. So those are the main applications, but the impacts in nanotechnology and medicine are slightly similar. So number one is improved drug delivery. So this is really enabling a lot of precision and targeting measures because um, nanotech is so small, it's able to be very precise. So it enables targeted drug delivery by increasing the drug concentration at the site of the at the site of wherever the disease is or um, the infection is, and it minimizes the exposure of those of those drugs to healthy tissues. And I think this is very important because it can reduce a lot of the side effects that we see of drugs today because um, these drugs are just kind of inputted into our bodies and spread throughout and it, it impacts the good and the bad parts. And so this nano drug delivery tech can really help minimize that and like specifically target the things that are most important. And the second biggest impact of nanotech in medicine is through enhanced imaging and diagnosis. So nanoparticles are very, very effective when it comes to contrast agents and medical imaging, specifically when it comes to improving the resolution and accuracy of diagnostic machines such as MRI. And when we have a more specific screen resolution, like even though it may not seem like a big difference, it can really help determine the difference between um, like a disease and diagnosis. So that's the second impact. And the third is, again, relating to cancer treatment. So nanotechnology has really revolutionized cancer treatment because it's created a more personalized experience. When it comes from like to diagnosing people with different diseases, it's definitely goes from a case to case basis because no one person has the exact same symptoms and the exact same past history, like medical history, and just like different environmental factors um, compared to another person. And so nanotech is really allowing um, these different systems to create more personalized therapies through targeted delivery because it can really tailor it to delivering drugs that are suited for the person. And this can again reduce a lot of the side effects we see and improve the effectiveness of cancer treatment. So those are the main applications for nanotech. And I think it's very important that we are finding new ways to address uh, a lot of the diseases we see today and finding ways to make the medical process for patients and for doctors more important today. Okay, so how is nanotech factoring into everyday consumer goods? 
So Nanotech actually has a lot of impact on the consumer industry. Could be quite surprising, especially since we only think about nanotechnology. Well, in the technology realm, it's even in the name. But it actually helps a lot with enhanced materials and textiles because nanomaterials such as nanoparticles and nanofibers are used to enhance the properties of materials in consumer goods. So, for example, nanomaterials can make fabrics water resistant or stain resistant, and they just really improve the quality of a lot of clothes because it can also be used to develop more lightweight and durable materials, like in terms of clothing, equipment, and even luggage. So it just adds new qualities, like being water resistant and stain resistant, along with keeping materials lightweight and durable, making it a lot, making that the goods a lot better and improved. They also play a role in electronics and displays, obviously, like we talked about before, because they're used, they can be used to make smaller screens for smartphones, tablets, and televisions, and just better, more efficient, higher resolution screens. Also, that nanotechnology helps with the development of more efficient batteries and more efficient energy storage devices for portable electronics in general, which makes it a lot better for consumers to get better and more improved electronics. Mm -hmm. Nanotechnology also surprisingly helps with cosmetics and personal care products because it helps to improve their performance. There are specific nanoscale ingredients that can be used in sunscreen to provide better protection against UV radiation. And nanocarriers, which are specific materials, again, can be used to deliver active ingredients more effectively in skin, which generally just improves like lotions and moisturizers and like serums, just anything you'd put on your face. It makes it so that they're able to be absorbed a lot better. Mm-hmm. And they, nanotechnology also impacts the food and beverage industry because it can improve packaging, food safety, and nutrient delivery. There, the um, food packaging materials can use nanotechnology to gain enhanced barrier properties, which basically extends the shelf life of products, keeping them a lot more safe from outside germs and other things. And nanosensors can detect contaminants in food, making it a lot safer for consumers. And it can also help with controlling the release of flavor and nutrients because it can basically encapsulate that and help a lot because it goes in at a very small scale and helps to just like hold it in and help to make it controlled. There is also that nanotechnology is used in the automotive industry for scratch resistant coatings, self-cleaning surfaces and lightweight materials. They can also be used for improved fuel efficiency and durability. Nanotechnology, which is, I think, pretty cool, can also be used for water and air purification. Nanomaterials can be used in filters and coating to enhance the removal of contaminants, bacteria, and odors. And it's just really good because it can honestly revolutionize the way that we drink water and inhale or inhale our hair, air and take it in. Mm-hmm. It's also that household products and um, nanotechnology can impact that with cleaning agents, paints, and coatings because it can improve the effectiveness of all three of those to the development of cleaning surfaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty I, really, 
I really like how you, sorry, were you still? In the middle, I wasn't, sorry. One thing that I really liked about like what you mentioned is that nanotech has like a lot of applications in our everyday lives, like from the food and beverage industry to the cosmetic industry to like batteries. And I think it just goes to show that nanotech isn't always just like a, a device that's going inside like your bloodstream and analyzing it or specifically limited to computers. Like it's really like a global phenomenon almost that a lot of us don't realize. And I really like how that's being tied. Uh, also, I wanted to go more into how nanotech is being used to address more bigger concerns, such as environmental. Like one of the most like pressing threats of our world today is climate change and dealing with deforestation and the condition of our earth. And so a lot has been done in terms of like water purification, pollution, and agriculture for nanotech. So the first thing that has been arguably the most important thing that has been addressing these concerns are nanofiltration membranes, which are essentially like thin film membranes, like mock membranes that have that are built with things like carbon, carbon nanotubes or even graphene oxide, which work to enhance water filtration by selectively allowing specific molecules to pass through the membrane. So it blocks a lot of contaminants we see, such as heavy metals and bacteria. So I think this is very effective because um, nanotech is very small, obviously, and it's big enough to allow the water molecules to pass through, but small enough to prevent a lot of the impurities and toxins that we get from our water. And so it creates cleaner and more healthy water. Another thing that's been done is through nanoparticle enhanced filters. So what's happening with this is essentially nanoparticles, so like silver nanoparticles, are embedded within a water filter. And when it's on such a microscopic level, uh, again, these materials and elements start to experience different antimicrobial properties. So when it's in the water filter, it tends to prevent bacterial growth and improve the disinfection of water. So those are the two biggest contributions for water purification. But if we looked on something like air purification, we have nanofiber-based air filters, which basically take nanofiber filters made of like polymers or ceramics uh, because they provide a very high surface area and they remove a lot of the particulate matter from the air uh, through like through photocatalytic nanoparticles, which just break down a lot of the volatile organic compounds and uh, a lot of the UV, UV radiation. So that's air purification. In terms of agriculture and waste treatment, there have been multiple fertilizers and nanosensors, like nano-encapsulated nanosensors, that have been developed to monitor soil mo moisture, nutrient levels, plant health, and uh, other other types of tech that are just really optimizing and at the same time minimizing our environmental impact um, when it comes to growing different crops. Like the food industry, especially when it comes to agriculture, is really damaging uh, in terms of like the fertilizer we produce and that run up, runs off to create dead zones in the ocean and it, it, it harms our soil. And so these technologies are monitoring a lot of those levels so farmers can be more aware of their impact and work towards improving that. Okay, and then for wet waste treatment, we have nanomaterials for separation and for bioremediation. So when we talk about the sewage process, what often happens is these people, they put like enzymes or some sort of separation materials to streamline the material and the waste to like 
different recycling facilities. So nanomaterials have been developed for that to make that process a lot more efficient and separate a lot of the waste so it can be reused and recycled for fertilizer or for other uh, outcomes like that. And then lastly, we have environmental monitoring. This does go back to the soil argument I mentioned a few minutes ago, but there have been nanosensors for analytical techniques. So we have things like quantum dots, which improve the performance of fluorescent spectrography, which basically enhance the, the limits for, we, for which we can de detect environmental pollutants in our air and within our soil and our water. So those are the biggest applications we're seeing with nanotech in uh, the environment. Okay, but uh, with that, all that said, like there's a lot of benefits when it comes to this technology. And do you think you can go a bit more into the ethical and more computational consequences of nanotech? Yeah, definitely. I know we've been talking about all the benefits of nanotechnology. And while those are great, there's also some definitely like cons to it. Like, for example, there's the issue of an environmental impact, because the production and disposal of nanomaterials may have environmental implications. Because while we haven't really seen it yet, the potential release of nanoparticles into ecosystems, whether accidental or on purpose, for disposal, it could have unknown consequences on wildlife and ecosystems, which raise concerns about the long-term environmental impact, which haven't even been seen today. And so the fact of the matter is that people don't really know how big those concerns could be and how big the implications of nanotechnology could be, which makes it definitely makes it an ethical downside to nanotechnology. There is also uncertainties, again, regarding the potential health effects of exposure, of exposure to certain nanomaterials. There's questions about toxicity, accumulation in the environment, and long-term long health impacts of nanoparticles. And we need to figure the answers to all of these questions because we need to know whether it's safe for workers, consumers, and the general public, not only just in the short term, but the long term. So clearly there's like a lot of um, research that needs to go into it in order to guarantee that the ethical downsides are not going to be too bad. Or if they are bad, is it worth it to really um, like do the benefits outweigh the downsides? There's also the issue of privacy because the nanoscale sensors and devices, since they're improved so much, they may be used for surveillance and data collection, which is clearly, clearly a problem to privacy and it's important to establish guidelines so that these technologies are safe and they don't violate anyone's privacy. Mm -hmm. Like with that said, because nanotech was honestly like in the in the grand scheme of things, it was discovered just in the 1950s, like very light 1950s in 59. And so even though we're like, uh, like a, a long way through, we still have a lot of improvements, again, with a lot of the ethical sides and just making things more efficient in general. Um, because when we look at a lot of the nanotechnology, it's not incorporated on a very regular basis. Like it's not that widespread, if you will. Like other methods that are not nanotech are much more common, much more cost efficient and productive. And so those, and now research really needs to be going into how we can incorporate this into our everyday into like more from like a, like even with like the environment and medicine, making that the standard because it can really help save a lot of lives and prevent a lot of damage from being done, so. Yeah, yeah I definitely think so as well. 
There's mm -hmm. also some more computational consequences, such as mm -hmm. like quantum computing security, because like as we talked about before, quantum computing is based heavily on nanotechnology, even though it's not fully based on it. But the development of quantum computers does involve manipulating particles at nanoscale, which this could have a lot of implications on the current encryption methods, which could definitely cause them to be vulnerable to quantum attacks and start the development of new cryptographic techniques, which could help a lot with malware and just help a lot with disturbing electronics and just quantum computers in general. And so it's just basically, it could make things a lot more unsafe. And there's also the fact that it can um, just cause a lot of complex and unintended consequences because as nanotechnology advances, so does the complexity of designing and making these nanoscale systems. This can lead to a lot of unforeseen consequences, especially because there hasn't been a lot of research done on it because we don't know how the nanomaterials and devices are going to behave. This could bring a lot of challenges in modeling and stimulation, simulation. There's also the concept of data security and privacy. It's just basically like nanoscale devices can generate so much data that we don't know how much infrastructure and security measures it's going to take and many think that it's going to take a huge amount of infrastructure and security measures. And so that's definitely an issue because it's like, is, is it worth nanotechnology because it can improve all these things, but at the same time, it would require so much work in terms of security. And honestly, the security sometimes might fail. And at that point, it's like, what's going to happen if the security fails and things like that. And we really need to look more into that because it could definitely be that the costs outweigh the benefits. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I really like how this episode went and especially like taking something so small like nanotech and putting it more into a global context of what this tiny thing can do for our worlds and make uh, a big mark and a big imprint. So mm -hmm. yeah, okay. yeah, for sure. So with that said, that'll be it for today. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to DM us at our Instagram, uh, codify underscore podcast, and we will see you next week. Bye. Thank you.